1: not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, where absolutely
0: because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's bouq S.com promo code hysteria books, promo code hysteria.
1: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonico. So Alyssa, as we speak, there is a hurricane bearing down on Florida, Hurricane Ian. Now, I have long kind of thought it was strange that we name storms after people names because it sort of ruins that name for a long time. Like, I don't think a lot of little girls born in 2005, 2006 were named Katrina, for example. Agree. I have a solution. If we have to name hurricanes after people names, mm-hmm. I think that all of the names should be drawn from the top 10 most common baby names from the year before, just to really shake up the list.
0: Oh, you mean like Madison with a Y. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hurricane Emma, Hurricane, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. That way,
0: like, we get more
1: name turnover, you know. Aaron, that is revolutionary. I am into that. Thank you. And then also it would kind of push some of those names off the list.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: There's going to be so many Isabellas. There's going to be like kindergartens with like 10 Isabellas in them.
0: And wasn't, no, Isabella came after Harvey. So it wasn't as bad. So I don't think people remember Isabella as much. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But nobody's naming their kid Harvey anyway. You know, like. No. I mean, or just go back to the baby names, the social security list of like 1930. Oh, yeah. But those are good names. Anyway, anyway, um, (laughs) we digress.
1: (laughs) This week, we're joined by Chloe Maxman, Julissa Arce, and Michaela Watkins to tackle the following questions. Why is Italy's new Girl Bossissima not a win for women everywhere? How do Democrats win rural elections? Is there something insidious behind the Don't Worry Darling gossip obsession? And when shouldn't you ask somebody to switch seats with you? All this and more right now. Okay, we have some news to get to this week. We're going to travel internationally and then come back for a short tour de fuckery. But first, let's start on a high note, literally. Literally. That sound you heard was Lizzo playing a crystal flute at a concert at the Kennedy Center in D.C. The flute is from 1813, and it was a gift to America's second president, John Adams, from France. And Lizzo is the first to ever play it. It's fucking cool. Now, Alyssa, when I saw this story, I had many questions. The main one was like, okay, what is happening? I love this, but like, what's going on?
0: So I love it. I feel like DC is finally understanding what they have to do to be relatable to the rest of the country.
1: Yes. The library of Congress, the head of the library of Congress actually reached out to Lizzo and was like, hey, we've got lots of flutes here. Another thing where I was like, what? Yeah. There's like- is there like a flute shelf where you just go down? Anyway, they have lots of flutes at the Library of Congress. And the head of the Library of Congress invited Lizzo to take a look at him because Lizzo is a very accomplished flautist. Mm-hmm. We have that in common. We are both flautists. Me too. Really? Yeah, first flute, baby. Oh my goodness, me too. I lived in constant fear of being challenged by second chair. Me too. Just constant, constant fear. It definitely didn't have any negative effects on my overall outlook on life, but I digress. (laughs) So the head of the Library of Congress offered uh, to let Lizzo come and take a look at the flutes and borrow one. And so this is the one that Lizzo was able to borrow. I'm just imagining her like checking
0: it out from the library. Do you know what it is? It's like when people get to check out the amazing jewels from Harry Winston, except way cooler.
1: Oh, yes. Actually, let's start a petition to have No more jewels being checked out on red carpets. I just want fancy old instruments. Fancy flutes. Give us a fife. Give us a harpsichord. (laughs) I want to see Jessica Chastain escorting like an antique cello down the red carpet as like part of the Oscars. Yes. So Lizzo got to play it. We heard a few notes and then it was returned under armed guard Back to the library. Lizzo is the first person to ever play this flute. Amazing. Which is very cool. And if any, you know, our listeners, we pride ourselves on our pettiness here. There is a petty element to it. John Adams was a slave owner. And the head of the Library of Congress is a Black woman. And a Black woman handing a flute to another Black woman to play. It's great because John Adams probably would be like, what is going on? And I think he also invented the three-fifths principle, didn't he?
0: Oh, I don't know. My history is not that good. (laughs) My history way back is not that good. It is delicious. I have to say
1: it feels like a a satisfying narrative arc for this crystal flute that was gifted to one of the founding fathers. God, no, I want to I want like a fancy flute for a holiday. I still have my flute. Do you still have your flute? I do. I do. I've taken it out and it just makes me sad because I remember. Yeah, I can't do it. I used to be pretty good. Yeah. Now I'm just not anymore. I don't know.
0: No, I just want to remember what the notes are. Why did you pick flute? I picked flute because it was like 1988 and that's what girls played. (laughs)
1: I picked it because it could fit inside my backpack. That was my chief concern. Also, it fit
0: inside my L.L. Bean bag. I was like, I want to be in band, but I don't want to have to, like, bang a trumpet around. I will say the coolest girl was the one who played French horn. My sister played French horn. Yeah, uh, French horn's cool. I always wished i kind of got gotten with French horn. I just, I wasn't confident enough, Erin. It was very unwieldy, though, I gotta say. My little
1: sister, like, banging that thing around was, uh, was pretty funny. And my, <laughs> yeah, my brother played played all the instruments and eventually we had a drum set in our basement. It was a cacophony. Anyway, so congratulations to Lizzo. Congratulations to us and congratulations to that flute. Chef's kiss. We centered ourselves in that story. <laughs> we did, we did. But you know, this is a this is a show about conversations and it's a story about flutes triumphing. Flutes. The triumph of the flute. Uh speaking of fascism, Italy has its own girl bossissima.
0: Oh, Erin, Italy got its own Elise Stefanik. Oh, God. We want to talk about Georgia Maloney. What's she like? She seems like an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) So here's what I love about what's happening around this right now is that all of the conservative women in America are like, you guys are terrible for not supporting her because she's a woman and she's going to be the first female prime minister of Italy. And it's like, that doesn't mean she's not bad. Mm -hmm. She is like pro-fascism. She's pro-Putin, though also pro-Ukraine. I don't know how you sort that one out when you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. She hates migrants. She's not so much for the LGBTQ community, So like I said, she's basically Elise Stefanik. And she's also, this is the other thing. She's like doing to fascism what Republicans here are doing to abortion. Like all of a sudden she's like, I mean, I'm not fascist. I said Mussolini was bad. And just like Republicans are like, I scrubbed the abortion stuff off my website.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's also creepy about abortion, just as long as we're bringing that up. Yeah, she is also creepy about abortion. She's a real creep when it comes to, like, abortion stuff. Italy, I believe, has one of the lowest birth rates in the EU, mm-hmm. and it's because Italian women are just like, mm, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Luckily, I'm going to say this, Italian government, Italian prime minister, that job, not not really like one with a lot of stability, historically. hmm no. It's sort of like being the world's oldest person. Like you're that right now, but you're not going to probably be it for very long. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I do want to say one thing. So back when I was doing like more political reporting and stuff, one of the people that I would speak to, not that regularly, but like semi-regularly was Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. This is pre-White House, Steve Bannon. But once he was in the White House, there was like a couple times where we had email exchanges just because I was like, what's going on here? Also, he hates Jared and
0: Ivanka a worthy conversation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he would sometimes email me links to my stories about Jared and Ivanka and say like, LOL, good article. This is great. (laughs) You know, so he once responded to an email I sent him by saying, hey, sorry, I was on a plane to Europe and I was like, oh, what's going on in Europe? And he goes, somebody has to spread the message of nationalism to our brothers and sisters in Europe. Now, at the time, I was like, they definitely already tried that in Europe. Right. And I was like, ha, 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 this whatever. Anyway, I feel like he was maybe meeting with her, Georgia Maloney.
0: I'm sure he stopped and talked to Marine Le Pen. They had an espresso, and then he hopped over to Italy to meet with her.
1: Yeah, had another espresso. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Iran. Tommy and Ben had a great conversation about this on Pod Save the World this week. But just to kind of get into it, Alyssa, what is kind of what's going on over there?
0: Okay, so in Iran, as has been reported on for over a week now, Masa Amini was in Iran. She was attacked, arrested, assaulted by the morality police. The job of the morality police is to just go around the Islamic Republic of Iran and You know, arrest women for not complying to their morality standards, specifically how they dress. And Erin, in this story, she died because of some internet tomfoolery fuckery. The world found out that she was beaten and assaulted and that she died at the hands of these police after she was in a coma for several days. Now, as white women in America, I think it's hard to pretend we completely understand what they go through, but I saw a quote from an Iranian who spoke to Reuters, and I wanted to read it because I thought it just sort of, it just really crystallized what a big fucking deal what's happening in Iran right now is. And she said, For the Islamic Republic, compulsory hijab is not just a small piece of cloth. It's like the Berlin Wall. And if Iranian women manage to tear down this wall, the Islamic Republic won't exist. And I think that that is a really good way of thinking about what is happening there as protests erupt across the country by women who have been fighting this fight for 40 years. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there's some images coming out of the country, not many because the Internet was turned off. Yeah. You see women burning their hijabs and protesting and having, you know, being very, very openly defiant of that norm, and my hope is that this ends well for them, and that there isn't some sort of crackdown. Because right now, what we're seeing is a real inflection moment, it mm-hmm. seems. So, keeping an eye on that. Definitely listen to Pod Save the World if you're interested in hearing more about the story. There's a lot there, and a lot to talk about. We'll be keeping an eye on it. Okay, stateside, let's talk a little bit. Uh, tour de fuckery.
0: <laughs> Alyssa Christie Nome is at it again. She cannot stop herself. She cannot stop herself. So
1: here's something that I forgot about until I read this story: was remember how Christy Nome tried to interfere with her daughter's real estate licensure? Oh,
0: I forgot about
1: that. Right, Christy Nome made headlines for trying to wield her influence as governor over the state licensing authority for real estate. She like tried to pull strings to help her dumb kid get a real estate license, which is.
0: Can I say something? Yeah could she not do the work? Did she need her ma to get her a license to become a realtor? I mean, do the work. Jesus Christ.
1: Honestly, I was thinking about the term adult children recently. The GOP is truly the party of adult children. (gasps) Yes. The fuck up child who like needs the little corrupt. Literally Don Jr. (laughs) Like boost. Ivanka And Eric, like— All of them. Anyway, it's just the adult child party. Anyway, so Christy Nome is now under investigation for using the state airplane. I—look, I don't want to make fun of South Dakota, but I do. And it's (laughs) funny to imagine that there's one airplane in the state, and it's the gubernatorial plane. But there's more than one airplane in South Dakota. People fly airplanes all the time. Okay. (laughs) She was using the state airplane basically as her own personal taxi.
0: Yeah, it was her Uber.
1: Yeah, she took it to out-of-state political events. So, like, the Republican Governors Association, which I can sort of understand, like, attending an RG. That one's not so bad. Okay-ish. Turning Point USA, though. Mm. No. No. National Rifle Association. Mm. She also took the plane to her son's prom. Yikes. Which is very funny. Okay, look, you're a teenager. I don't care how much you love your mom. You don't want your mom, like, showing up at your prom. But imagine how much more embarrassing it would be if she, like, rolls in on a fucking airplane.
0: (laughs) I mean, she's an extremely outrageous, lame person.
1: Yeah. You know what's extra sad about South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem is that she is really trying her hardest to get as much attention as a Greg Abbott or a Ron DeSantis. And she just is like the perennial third
0: place. If it would make her feel better for us to be like, bitch, you can't govern either. Yeah. We'll happily say that. But also, Erin, she thinks she's going to be president. Yeah, this bitch can't govern either. Yeah, Like, she's all like, Mike Lindell, you're my pillow. You know what I mean? She's just like, she she believes that if she is crazy Trumpy enough that she— Will be president. And uh, she's, girl, you're never going to be president because you're dumb. No, I mean, there have been pretty stupid. Well, I mean, I guess dumb people have been president. Yes, <laughs> there
1: have been some stupid presidents before, for sure. But I think that it's like she is also, she's sort of playing a game that she can't win. I mean, talk about conservative women. I feel like punching above her weight. (laughs) But I think that like, if you are a woman and you're a conservative, you're sort of signing up for a game where like your womanhood counts against you. Right. Double. Like if you step out of the like narrow definitions of like what's okay to be a woman in their eyes. So if you're anything but a like straight cis, conventionally attractive, like moisturized, shaved legs. Fox News
0: anchor. Giggles.
1: (laughs) Soft. Yeah. Soft voice. The only thing you get mad at is the liberals. You never get mad at anything else. Like you're a mom. You're, you know, you're whatever. I just, I just don't think that it's a game that she can win, but you know, she will fly as high as she can in that borrowed airplane.
0: I knew you were going to say that.
1: Well, we're on the same
0: wavelength. Oh, wait. I have a little fuckery that's not that we hadn't talked about. Oh, what? University of Idaho. Did you see this? No. Fuckery in Idaho. The administration at the University of Idaho sent out an email to faculty and staff to tell them to stop referring students to abortion providers. Students to stop them from getting emergency contraception. And this is the thing, Aaron. we've been saying it. They also told the faculty and staff to also not help them get birth control. Okay, here's something we haven't really talked about very
1: much on the show, mm-hmm. but eventually these out-of-control yes. red state Governors and they are going to zealot themselves out yep. of national football championships. Like, I, and I'm saying that, like, it sounds like a very extreme position, but let's say that you are a promising athlete and you have an option to go to college to play football in a state where if you get pregnant or if you get somebody pregnant, that's it. It's over. Right. Would you go there or would you go to a state where you or your sexual partners would have access to? birth control, contraception, emergency contraception, and abortion care services if necessary. It seems like an easy choice. Yeah, this is like, look, I mean, this is on the list of reasons that this matters. This is like reason number 500 or whatever, but maybe it's something that would get through to some of these dipshit men wearing suits that don't fit in their state houses, like what they are doing is making their state less attractive for people who might come in from out of state to do things that they like, like play football, like be on the women's basketball team, you
0: know, like. Right. And I, I also can't wait for the stories that eventually come out that are like one of the recruiting tools is, listen, if you ever need us to get you an abortion, we will just don't say it out loud.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can see it kind of—I can see that story hitting totally. the newspapers.
0: I mean, University of Alabama, University of— I was going to say, if Brett Favre can scam the whole welfare system to build his daughter a volleyball court, seems like anything's possible. Oh, man, it's not even a top-tier volleyball
1: school. That's the thing. No, he's,
0: That's the saddest thing. He's definitely not a top-tier human. No,
1: he sucks. He sucks so bad. Okay, really quick before we have to take a break and come to our interview, Minnesota Republicans in a circulated— set of talking points this week, are trying to emphasize to candidates that are running for any office to just avoid the topic of abortion.
0: Yeah, it's like it's not happening.
1: Yeah. Minnesota Republicans are saying that abortion is not on the ballot. I want to go ahead and say that it absolutely is and that them just avoiding questions of it is probably—I don't understand how that's a good strategy.
0: I don't really think they're looking at good strategies right now.
1: No, but, like, after Dobbs, they had— Republicans basically had no strategy. They had no strategy. They were just sort of, like, Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. That just, like, doesn't work. Being quiet about this means that Democrats get to fill— the air with what is actually happening, which is that a vote for any Republican for any office in the year of our Lord 2022 is a vote to ban abortion,
0: period. Also, do they think they're going to get away with this lame, lame strategy when two of our faves, uh, Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith are in that state? Please. Amy
1: and Tina will not Mm -hmm. let that. Oh my goodness. Amy and Tina. Huh. Amy and Tina. The political Amy and Tina, and so the comedy Amy and Tina. Okay, anyway.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay, do we have a toast? We have a toast, right? We have a quick toast, Erin. One of our hysteria faves, Oriaku Njaku, Executive Director of AbortionFunds.org and Access Reproductive Care in the Southeast, was- listed this morning time magazine announced that she is one of the time 100 next and she is being celebrated and we are so excited and we will put in show notes how you can donate to show her how appreciative you are of all the work she does on the fight for reproductive justice that's a great note to end the news segment on let's take a quick break when we come back really
1: excited for this interview stick around And welcome back to Hysteria.
0: Alyssa, what do you think of when you think of Maine? Um, I think of lobster and Maine blueberries, the little wild blueberries. I think of some of the
1: best meals I've ever had in my life have been in Maine. 100% in Maine.
0: We're so lucky that we have been to Maine. Also, the best national park is in Maine. Acadia National Park is the best national park. Mm Fighting
1: words. I think Channel Islands is among the best, but... We can fight it out. Similar vibes. Okay, we're talking about Maine because... Today, our guest is from Maine, Maine State Senator Chloe Maxman. Chloe ran for the Maine House in 2018 and then in 2020, unseated incumbent minority leader Dana Dow, becoming the first Democrat ever to represent Maine House District 88. She's also the youngest member of the 129th Maine Legislature and the youngest female state senator in Maine's history. Wow. She has a new book out now, Dirt Road Revival, How to Rebuild Rural Politics, and why our future depends on it. Chloe, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) We're super excited to have you. In your book, Dirt Road Revival, you take the position that Democrats have abandoned rural America. Tell us what you saw that prompted you to write the book.
2: I grew up in a small rural town in Maine, a town of about 1,600 people. And when Trump got elected in 2016 and kind of looking at those results, it just so struck me how much rural America has shifted to the right. In 2009, there was almost no partisan lean amongst rural voters. But as of 2019, rural folks were leaning Republican by 16 points. So that's such a huge Shift in a very short amount of time. And it was happening in districts like mine. My hometown House district voted for Trump in 2016, as did our state Senate district. So, you know, my co author and campaign manager, Canyon, and I really designed our campaigns to really understand what was happening in this rural conservative context. And the thing that really shook us was that when we started to talk to lots of Republicans and independents, we noticed that many of them had never been contacted by a Democratic campaign or canvasser in their entire voting history. And it was just shocking because these folks were wonderful. We were having awesome conversations. They were supporting us, but the Democratic infrastructure just hadn't ever reached out to them. Just a slight disclaimer that there are so many awesome rural Dems who are running for office, who are doing this hard work. We are certainly not the first nor alone in thinking about this. We just wrote our experiences down in this book.
0: Chloe, Erin and I were both raised in pretty rural communities, and I still live in a a very rural congressional district. Tell us how organizing can or should be different in rural communities.
2: Oh, such a good question. When we're thinking about campaigns in particular, which I think are just a pretty unique opportunity to drive down someone's driveway and talk about the most polarizing issues in society. <laughs> the way that a campaign is structured just looks really different for a rural community. I mean, first of all, rural culture is just really different. Rural life is really different from what it looks like in a city. I have so many friends who have run for office in urban areas and they can knock 200 doors a day, easy. You know, you got all those apartment buildings, all that dense turf, as we call it. But, you know, where I live, I was lucky if I could do 100 doors a day and it would take me all day. And there Mm. are districts far more rural than mine. You know, it's hours from end to end where you're lucky if you can do a hundred. So the amount of time and resources and investments and volunteers that it takes to really do a deep dive into a rural community, it's just a lot more. And traditionally, we don't compensate rural races for all of the extra support that they need.
0: How did you approach people who were
2: not registered Democrats? You know, when we were campaigning, we really didn't have a script. I would just show up to people's doors or our volunteers would. But, Mm. you know, since I'm talking about my own experience, I'd be like, you know, hey, I'm Chloe. I'm running for state Senate. I'm just stopping by to see what's on your mind. And it was really as simple as that and opening the door to a conversation. I mean, there were certainly times when I was having conversations that were so challenging where people were saying things that were so different from my own worldview that, I literally didn't know what to say. So I would just listen, you know, and like try and understand it. Or I literally had no words. This style of canvassing that's based on listening is now called deep canvassing. But Canyon and I didn't know that term when we first started. We were just like, You know, on a very basic human level, if you want to have a conversation with someone who's different than you, you don't walk up to their home where their kids are having dinner and start arguing with them about everything that you disagree about. You form a relationship based on what you have in common and and you go from there.
0: One last question about this. I read that you employ something called the clincher card. What's the clincher card?
2: Clincher cards are basically postcards; they're handwritten cards, and you know for us, having meaningful and authentic relationships with folks was so important, even if they weren't going to support me so every time I talked to someone, even if you know I knocked on a door two or three times in a cycle every time i'd come home that night and write them a handwritten postcard and mail it the next day it's called a clincher card cuz it's like clinching the vote but i feel like that's a pretty extractive way of thinking about a postcard but i was always just genuinely thankful that people would take the time to talk with a rando you know <laughs> a rando democrat on some random day that i i wanted to say thank you that is such
1: a cool idea. Also, it brought to mind my home ec teacher from high school, like sending handwritten thank you notes for everything. And I was just like, man, it's Maine, Wisconsin, very similar vibes. Uh, One of your philosophies of campaigning is no negativity, no negative attacks or ads. So seeing as you turned your district blue for the first time ever, I feel like you must have some winning strategies to avoid going negative.
2: Yeah. And just for hyper-clarity, our House district that we won, we were the first Dem to win since redistricting. And and our Senate district, we were not the first Democrat to win it, but we did flip it from a high-ranking Republican, just for (laughs) hyper-clarity. You know, for me, there's a big difference between standing up for yourself and what you believe in and and going negative and slandering other folks. I think, you know, my association with politics growing up was always negative, like exclusively negative, something I never wanted to touch because I thought it was so negative. And I think that's what most people what almost everyone experiences during a campaign, the attack ads, the radio ads, the TV ads. I mean, it's pervasive and it's toxic. Like it's just gross. And so for us, we were really trying to do politics differently and create a more welcoming space to have these conversations. So we never went negative. We never said a single bad word about our opponents or just anything that was happening. And that really resonated with people too. You know, we knew it was working because people so appreciated it. There were certainly attack ads thrown at us and the mailers and videos and just all the nasty stuff that happens. But we could just say, you know, this is not what our community stands for. This doesn't represent our principles as a campaign. And we're just not even going to dignify these attacks with a response. Mm -hmm.
1: Were there any negative attacks on you that stuck out as being particularly over the top?
2: there were definitely a lot of like sexist and ageist attacks that are still irk me to this day. You know, um, Mm -hmm. Kenyon and I are best friends, but we're not dating or anything. There were all these things being like, Chloe Maximin is paying her boyfriend to work on her campaign. And it was just like this video that was getting (gasps) tens of thousands of views. And I'm also Jewish and they got this photo from me where like my nose looks really big and they put like dollar signs coming out of my head. Oh my gosh. I felt like that had some anti-Semitic threads in it, but I'm also like a white cis woman. And so what I face is far, it was far less bad than I thought it was going to be and far safer than what so many people experience when they're running for office or are in office. Chloe, how can we all lead politically by showing more kindness? I think it's like an inside out commitment. You know, I I feel like the world is really, really divisive. And in my own experience in my community, I feel like there's been a precipitous drop in civility, especially when it comes to politics. It's something that I feel really aware of and is just getting so bad. And it's hard to stay kind when there's so much anger coming at you or what you believe in. So I think if kindness is just like an ideal that we see in the worlds that we're trying to reach, then it's kind of hard to stay the course. But if it's something that we truly believe in, in ourselves, and that we think can help heal some of these wounds that are really about to tear our country apart, then it doesn't matter what someone says to you because it's in you, so they can't, they can't take it away.
1: That is a great outlook. So to end on a hopeful note, We've read that you're not seeking another term, but I'm assuming that's because you have something big coming. So, what's next for Chloe Maxman?
2: I am not running again. Um, In Maine, we have a a part-time citizen legislature, and it's just extremely challenging on so many levels to keep it going. And My heart really lies with movement building, you know, and and what we can do when we're supporting rural progressives who are running for office. So Kanan and I have started a, a new nonprofit, C4, called Dirt Road Organizing, and we're building that up to really be able to support lots of people doing this work, not just ourselves. That's great. Chloe Maxman, thank
1: you so much for joining us and thank you for the work that you do for your constituents and the people of Maine and for rural progressives everywhere.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah.
0: I have I refuse to be uncomfortable if I want to be productive. I
1: refuse (laughs) to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time.
0: (laughs) Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash Hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash Hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash Hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. And welcome back. You are listening to Hysteria, the podcast that has never reacted too much to anything ever, right? (laughs) Ever. Ever. Very (laughs) staid, very calm. Never hysterical. Never. If we're upset about something, even if we are more upset than everyone else, eventually we'll be proven right. Because we're witches. Yeah, or Cassandra's.
0: That too. Yeah. Um, So have you seen Don't Worry, Darling? Or have you just been following the drama? along? I've just been following the drama. I have not seen it yet. It won't come to my neck of the woods for quite some time. Oh, are you going to take a horse-drawn carriage to the
1: old-fashioned movie theater where (laughs) they have like a guy playing a piano and there's like... (laughs) Yes, um, I'm going to
0: have a sarsaparilla when I sit down and I watch the movie. What is a sarsaparilla? I think it's like root beer, but sarsaparilla. Oh okay, interesting, interesting. Not going to lie, I've started listening to fiddle music, so. <laughs> oh okay. Sure, <laughs> sure.
1: That that all tracks. Um, well, I'm really interested and fascinated by the Don't Worry Darling drama, but it raised some like bigger questions and I really wanted to talk about them as a group. So I am going to bring on the other two women joining us today. First off, if you haven't read her book, you sound like a white girl yet what are you even doing? It's Julissa Arce. Julissa, welcome. What are you even doing is right because the book (laughs) has been out since
5: March. So get on it. I'm doing great. Yeah, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And rounding out the panel today, maybe you watched her on The Dropout or some other critically acclaimed TV show, or maybe you know her voice as a friend of the pod. Michaela Watkins, welcome. Always good to see you. Oh, it's so good to
4: see you! My dog just barged in. I gotta go. I gotta take care of this. But it's so <laughs> great to see you. One second, stand by. Uh, two dogs. Hey, guys! Out. Chaos out, 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 out there. Out, out, out! Oh, out. Come man. on. How did you open a door? We moved recently, and uh,
0: how did you open the door? <laughs> and
4: and uh, this house. Uh, you gotta leave all this in.
5: <laughs>
0: yeah, obviously.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah,
1: the house has like doors that the dogs have figured out how to open.
4: Apparently, because uh, that do- that door just like opened wide open. Uh, it's got a knob that needs to be turned. Uh-huh. So um, I don't know. Uh, listen, it's just a matter of time before the dogs take over, right?
1: i I, you know what it reminds me of a quote that i read recently about like how difficult it is to make bear proof garbage cans because (laughs) there's an overlap between like really smart bears and really dumb people (laughs) um i gotta say i've been stymied by bear proof garbage cans before i've been like how does this work (laughs) um so i am in the dumb category um Michaela, I think it's been the longest since we've seen you. So I want to start with you. Have you been following the Don't Worry Darling drama?
4: Yeah. I mean, not by choice because it's like foisted in my face uh, when I'm trying to find out the news events of the world and like about hurricanes and, you know, wars. Uh, it's all all about Olivia Wilde is trending. And I'm like, why is Olivia Wilde trending And every single time I just go look because I'm curious to see what horrible things are going to be said about this woman now. Now, listen, you know, what if she is terrible? I have no idea. And neither does like 99.9% of the population. And Mm -hmm. I just say like, tit for tat, if you hold up a man who I, I even tweeted this because I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, it All she did from where I'm sitting is have the audacity to fall in love with a guy who's very famous and has a big fan base. Beyond uh-huh. that, I don't think she'd be the target of, and of all of this vitriol. So I don't think the don't worry, darling stuff started with um, all the, you know, hoo-ha-ha, of don't worry, darling. I think it started way back when she's had the audacity to leave an unhappy marriage and start dating somebody and falling in love with somebody new. And I don't think we've ever, ever assaulted or assailed a man for that, I also think it happens because she is a multi-hyphenate. I think because she didn't just stay in her lane of being a little actress and had, you know, the balls to go and start directing her own features and, you know, started with music videos and now features that, you know, the world is like, take her out, take her down. Mm -hmm. And so I watch all of this with this sort of, I don't know anything about, I don't really understand what's happening with her between Pew and whatever. Um, You know, I just know that there's like men who are shitty to each other constantly. And we, I know this for a fact and it's never in the headlines. Like I, Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that this happens. And it's never, ever, ever in our headlines. Mm-hmm. So there is like a targeting of Olivia Wilde. And now this movie now, ha ha ha, the jokes on everybody else, because guess what movie apparently number one. <laughs> opened yeah. with crazy box office numbers and you know, Hey, so ha jokes on <laughs> jokes on everybody else. But, um, <sighs> but, but that's, that's been my experience is that I just feel like she is a powerful woman. And when I watch these young 17-year-olds go after her, 16-year-olds or 15-year-olds or Harry Styles fans, like go after her like that, and simultaneously talk about text tweets that she's done, you know, 10, 15 years ago as you know, n- n- you know, homophobic or racist or or transphobic or something like that, really twisting them and not seeing all the work that she's done i, I just feel like you as sailing her is kind of in the same camp like you're going mm-hmm. in 10 years you're going to be embarrassed about all the horrible things you've said about this woman like you're mm-hmm. you're going to be embarrassed by that so i don't know that's my take hmm julissa what are your thoughts on the whole
5: drama i did not know about this Tweets. <laughs> now I need to go find out more about what did, yeah, what, did what did she
4: tweet because what did she say? Say. <laughs> you know, honestly, it was like it, it was so benign, but it was it was dumb things people said 15 years ago, like I'd be a great lesbian kind of thing. Like, you mm-hmm. know, because uh, I wish I, things like that, you know.
0: It's just like a bad like a bad mm. faith. You know, you know I'm looking <laughs> it up. Yeah, I Wait. need
4: to go look
5: that up. Because that might change yeah. my opinion. You know, I have a slightly <laughs> different opinion. I feel like you shouldn't have been saying racist things 15 years ago. And <laughs> and that's not an excuse um that it was 15 years ago. But putting that aside, because I don't know enough about that. Um, I had not um, been following the drama that closely um, until like more recently. And I do think that there's a lot of validity to she is a woman and therefore she's been held to a different standard. For sure. Um, You know, I think whether it's a woman or a man, like some of the things that people are talking about, like her work ethic, right, about sort of like her and Harry Styles, like disappearing and um, Puke having to be the one like directing the film and things like. I think that's like unprofessional, whether you're a man or a woman, but certainly there is a bigger spotlight on it because she is a woman, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. and that's it these things about sort of like misogyny and women being held to double standards, like it shows up every in every single industry, in every single time of history. You know, I've been like watching House of Dragons and and like all of this made me think about what's going on in House of Dragons and how, you know, the realm won't accept this like woman queen and her chastity is being like questioned and like she has to be pure and she can't have like, She can't have like an affair, but if it was a king, you know, he could have a million affairs and nobody would bat an eye. And so I think that to me, like, it's not, I'm not so interested in like Olivia Wilde and this movie and like the drama about this movie because whatever, but I am interested in what it sort of says about our society and how in many ways we've made no progress in how women are treated. Mm-hmm.
1: And that is a really good segue to kind of what I wanted to broaden the conversation to. And that is the way that conversations are driven and manipulated by the current state of social media. Um, like Olivia Wilde and the number of Don't Worry Darling headlines and like the insanity of how, how frequently they become trending topics mm-hmm. uh, reminded me a little bit of the depth heard stuff. And uh, it reminded me a little bit about how, you know, as we are processing like viral news stories now, we can't not (laughs) double negative. We can't not consider the fact that the media environment that we swim in is easy to manipulate. Um, Alyssa, the other week you sent me a story that was kind of like jaw-dropping that kind of touched on issues like that involving the Women's March. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of walk us through the way that manipulated media um, influence campaigns uh, kind of exploited existing um, sexism in society and and kind of drove the whole thing into the ground?
0: I just wanted to talk about how Olivia Wilde divorced Ted Lasso, and that's how this whole (laughs) thing got started. (laughs) I don't Um, think they were married. Yeah, I, I think they were just like
5: together for a long time and have children oh, together. Oh, right. But they weren't married. I wish she
1: served papers. Though. For the she
5: custody. Served for papers. custody. Oh, okay. okay. Custody papers.
0: Julie says right. Julie says right. They were either way. I'm just saying it's a bad, it's a bad formula for social media when you, when you separate, both of you separate from arguably this man who not in real life but on television has played this lovable, affable, aspirational person. It made me think, of when Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston got divorced. It's like, why did anybody really care? It's not that he was divorcing Jennifer Aniston. It's that he was divorcing Rachel Green. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought the same thing. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, you know, we have seen that foreign governments and bots and bad actors all play a part in this so much now. And that we can't take anything as on the level when we read it. When something is trending, it's like, well, why Why is it trending? Who is Who is making it trend, right? Like articles about Meghan Markle. Why are they trending? You know, who is really caring? Are, are a bunch of people like us retweeting? I have to be honest, any of these articles I have never retweeted. I don't think I even ever like them. And so mm-hmm. who is? Who's doing it? Who cares so much? And the truth is, bot farms. Bot farms are who cares so much. And mm-hmm. they try to sow division specifically in this country by doing that. And it's part of what happened during the Women's March, where you know, they they tried to sow division um, something that was really popular in America that had a lot of women or people galvanized around it by, you know, having articles go viral by exploiting things that certain founders said um, and making them become outsized uh, in terms of of really what had been said and what was really happening. So- you know, I mean, that feels a little word salady, but I mean, that's really kind of what's happening. No, but the quickest people to believe
4: those bot farms were intellectual white uh, men that I know who were saying, right. well, this is why the women's march is problematic. And I'm like, stay mm-hmm. the fuck out of the women's march. Like, that's our thing. You know what I mean? And if I. I if I as a Jewish woman don't find anti-Semitism, you know, in the top tier, anything that I is gonna hold me from wanting to be uh completely embracing this movement and wanting to move forward, then you should just shut up. You know, yes. I'm sorry, I sound so angry about <laughs> it, but it's just like let us have our own feelings about it. And guess what? I'm very, very, I was always very skeptical about what was coming out about about everybody in the in the women's march and I, I know that there was some friction but you know a little friction can be overcome if it's exploited and put onto the social media and everybody is weighing in on it then it's really impossible for anybody to overcome that and be like fine we're coming together anyway you know we're we're just doing it like because this because we got bigger fish to fry right now yeah
1: mm-hmm. well it it sort of like just it sounds like it just reinforced something that they already wanted to think that's what I mean. Yeah, they were, like, looking for permission to get angry at Olivia Wilde, looking yes. for permission to to hate Amber Heard, looking for permission. And sometimes these stories, while, you know, the, the Women's March stuff, um, there are some kind of troubling aspects to what drove the Women's March apart. But the mm-hmm. way that those aspects were amplified right. and mm-hmm. magnified was something that was done, you know, it, it was sort of like an alley-oop, like mm-hmm. our own... Isms, our own sexism, racism, xenophobia—like was the past, and then you know mm-hmm. the bots were the slam dunk, and and that just it just makes me think, you know, I think we need to be very aware of the ways that our conversations are being like manipulated, or w- by the ways that they can be manipulated. The thing that
5: I found really shocking about some of those articles that Elisa, you had sent, um, is that how orchestrated. These campaigns are, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. it's not I think because I think like when I used to think of like bots, I really used to think it's like some sort of like algorithm, some sort of like computer thing. But there's like actual real people right, who are like mm-hmm. sitting in front of a computer making Um, You know, making profiles, retweeting things like there are, uh, you know, entire like campaigns um, that are organized that, you know, it says you're going to you this group of people is going to take this uh, aspect of it. You're going to take this other aspect just how well organized these campaigns to smear, to sow disinformation, to sow distrust, um, just how organized they are. It's an industry. It's an industry. And how much money Mm -hmm. is put behind it. Like that was really shocking to me. Like it's, you know, it's not just this little algorithm. Like it's it's people, it's companies that are paid to make these things happen. Mm -hmm. And how little we know about it. You know, I don't think that I understood mm-hmm. the magnitude of how deep the problem is until I read these articles.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Similar is that, I, I, that there are real people in these bot farms, but also the, the, what I think you said so perfectly, Erin, is that they are so quick to believe it. And all of a sudden I'm like, why is it that you're not somebody who's talking and promoting the Women's March and all that did? but you're very quick to comment and have an opinion on what's, you know, a problem with it. Like, why is your investment in this as a liberal man? Mm -hmm. Why is your investment in this in the problems and not in what is actually working? And, you know, there's this 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 uh, Lord of the Rings series or whatever that's come out, they have such a problem on Amazon where they had to pull the reviews because people were swarming it and taking it down before anybody even saw it. Mm-hmm. You know, Rotten Tomatoes has a has a real issue with a uh, review, bombing.
1: The, the it's review called bombing. Review bombing, yeah, yeah.
4: And where there is an implicit bias against women, and um, according to Miranda Bailey. Uh, she found that eighty percent of Rotten Tomato reviews um, by top critics were written by men. But there is a review uh, 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 online uh, forum called Cherry Picks, which is really amazing because that's all—it's um, all women who are doing all of the the sourcing mm. and all of the reviewing. Like Viola Mm. Davis also, you know, Rotten Tomatoes is trying to figure out what do we do with her movie because, you know, it was getting so many bad reviews before anybody has even seen it. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah. They're also so well written, like they're so targeted and so well, like some of these tweets and these messages and and these posts on social media, like I have retweeted things that I later found out and I'm a discerning retweeter. Like I read, I do the... And it was like, oh, my God, no, this is fake. Or like they twisted one word that you wouldn't just you wouldn't realize that that one word changed what it actually meant. And I was like, oh, my God. And it was it turned out it was, you know, a targeted campaign to get liberals to get mad about something. And Mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't turned out to be true. And that's a coordinated effort and industry. Mm -hmm. And,
1: and like talking about like the industry around, I mean, it's not always like, oh, Vladimir Putin wants to take down Olivia Wilde. I don't think anybody (laughs) is, I don't think anybody is suggesting that, but I think anytime there's a lot of money at stake and when somebody's brand is their, is their entire livelihood and, and there's a lot of money going around, I think that creates an incentive for people to try to enlist the help of, a a bot farm or an influence campaign in order to get whatever they want accomplished. So one thing um, where I, this is very funny um, when uh, justice league, the Snyder cut was released, you know, the the reporters looked into the um, tweet campaign that was aimed at Warner brothers executives. And they found that they were clearly part of some kind of coordinated influence campaign. And there's been some people looking into whether or not Zack Snyder, the director, was in some way affiliated with the hashtag release the Snyder cut. Um, And that, and it's, you know, there's no, no smoking gun there, but it's pretty widely believed that he had something to do with it in a place like Hollywood in an entertainment industry or in a place like the publishing industry, like fake influence campaigns, like make a huge difference. Like I'm curious, Julissa, are there any, like news stories that have happened that you're like, why is this so viral or why is this person so popular that have kind of stuck out to you as seeming like they've been manipulated in some way?
3: Um,
5: yeah, I mean I often think of I often think that, um like even you know even this like Olivia Wilde um thing it's 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 still sort of to me like mind boggling that like so many people are talking about it that there's been so many articles written about it that every time I open up my Twitter there is like so much conversation going on about it um so so yeah I think that that all the time I wonder like how does something go viral why do people care mm-hmm. so much about this thing but to me like the really dangerous part about all of this is sort of that um. You know, it, it's still it's still sort of about discrediting women. It's about, um I, I really think that like ultimately it's about taking away our rights because if people don't like respect us if people don't view us as capable of directing a movie as capable mm-hmm. of being president of the United States as capable of um you know being the vice president of the United States like if people continue mm-hmm. to kind of minimize what we are capable of then it's a lot easier to then come and take away our rights and to me that's like the r- really dangerous parts of Um, of these types of stories that go viral and that people put so much emphasis on that there's so much money behind the campaigns, um, whether they're positive or negative. But I do find that when it comes to stories about women, the majority of those stories tend to be negative. You know, when they go Mm -hmm. viral, like we're not going viral for positive things. We're not going viral Mm -hmm. for having accomplished things or, you know, for directing the best movie ever. Like we're going viral for all negative things. And I think that the end
4: goal of all of that is to take away our rights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I think Olivia Wilde should
1: have called herself the Olivia Wilde brothers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny um because then there would be like entire devoted factions of fanboys that would like just uh, obsessively talk about olivia wilde brothers movies as though um <laughs> that was the height of culture um i want to talk a little bit about megan markle and the apparent ways that bots and influence campaigns have been used to kind of unleash racism on her um Alyssa, you're sort of our our resident royalist. What do you make of all the hate that Meghan Markle gets on social media?
0: Well, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, it's actually pretty funny when you think about everybody wants a villain, right? Everybody's always kind of like trying to find like, who's the villain? And when she first started dating Harry, everyone was like, this is amazing. Look how how woke the monarchy is. And it turns out the monarchy, not so much, not mm-hmm. so much. And I think that, you know, there were people. What's his name? That fucking loser in the UK. Um Which one? Yeah. (laughs) Here's Morgan. Here's Morgan. Which one? (laughs) You're gonna have to
1: be more specific.
0: He tried to make her public enemy number one. And in the same way that we have Fox News here, he had his loyal, you know, loyal listeners there. And he just everything that he criticized her for was some sort of like coded, gross shit like he was trying Mm to be like oh she's not respectful but it was always why why was she not respectful oh because she spoke her mind about something you know Mm -hmm. because she had an opinion about something and i think that you know
4: and she's mixed race and she had an opinion about something and right
0: and Mm -hmm. now she's a royal oh you guys norman is here chunk norm chunk Mm -hmm. just gave him his medicine now he wants to play on the podcast um (laughs) At least he's not opening doors repeatedly. No, so he could, if there was food behind a door, he would figure out how to open it. But, um, you know, and there was a there was a view of what someone who was royal should look like, and they should give up everything that they ever cared about, and they should just, you know, just be in service of the crown. And that really, uh, really fucking bothered Piers Morgan. And I think mm-hmm. in the same way here that we see that truly – um, disgusting things go viral when people with big platforms say them. I think that he, you know, he was kind of cover for it, right? Mm-hmm. Him and the, him yep. and what's that horrible paper there? The sun, the one that's always, always saying terribly uncool things. The mirror, the mirror. The yeah. mirror. Sun? Yeah. yeah. There's but a lot of bad ones. But it's over like, there. like <laughs> if you look at every, if you look at everything that has gone viral, there is a, there's like a, there's someone who gives it cover. Right. Mm -hmm. Like like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. He had Mm -hmm. so many followers. Now, they didn't do all of this, but it was like, oh, he's really famous. It makes you think if you're an average person who's not on social media, you're like, oh, these are his people like they're all. Yeah. And this must be a huge deal. This must be a huge deal. And like with Meghan Markle, it's like, well, Piers Morgan, like he feels Mm -hmm. this way. And so there must be something to it. And it's and it's like they give they give these these uh, bad actors cover to do it because it makes sort of if you want to think about it sort of makes sense if you want it to make sense
1: right well it's a it's chicken and egg thing though too yeah. right like just reading a little bit some stats about Meghan Markle and why she's like such a villain um 114,000 tweets that were related to Harry and Meghan were analyzed by Bot Sentinel and mm-hmm. uh the Bot Sentinel which does analytics for Twitter identified 83 accounts that it says were behind 70% of the really, really awful anti Megan tweets. There's only 83 accounts that were behind most of the really grossly anti uh, Sussex tweets. Um, the accounts had more than 187,000 combined followers and had the reach of 17 million Twitter users. That's fucking wild. If you're Piers Morgan or somebody who like works in the media, you are a part of, you're perpetuating the cycle, but you're also like taking a look at. Social media and saying like, oh, this is what people are interested in. Right. I am going to cash in on this mm-hmm. thing that people are interested in, which causes there to be more amplification of the story, which causes it like makes something that isn't real become real when media figures buy in and amplify it. I did not watch a single clip of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp
4: trial, and I kind of didn't because they're two people having an ugly divorce. So right. I genuinely don't care Mm -hmm. and also from the from the side you know chatter that I was hearing from friends and whatnot about it it just sounds like two people who are a little mildly or to to majorly dysfunctional (laughs) and we're talking about you know very wealthy people who have very wealthy problems and so I even more don't really care my my point is, is that I was sitting at dinner with two men from work and they were saying like, oh my God, are you following the trial? And I said, no. I said, but the whiffs of it that I'm getting is that it's incredibly uh, misogynistic that everybody is so ready to hate Amber Heard and so not ready to be mad at Johnny Depp, who has made rape jokes. Like, I don't understand where this incredible vitriol at this woman is coming from. I mean, it's incredible how much vitriol is coming at this woman. And they both kind of like tilted their head a little to the right and looked at me puzzled as if they never stopped to consider that, that that even these lovely, talented, uh, very clever men we're so ready to be swept up in the wave of Amber sucks and Johnny's cool. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of stopped. And I'm not kidding when the, when the verdict dropped and the, and the media went silent on it because there's nothing else to say because Johnny Depp sort of won. Then, the quiet little voices came out in favor of Amber saying she was really annihilated in the media. And Mm -hmm. now all these people are like, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I think so too. I think so too. I'm like, where the hell were all these people, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it's intimidating, right? Like you see every single thing about the trial coming out and you see as like an average person, a commentator, Mm -hmm. a public figure, or just a, just a person. You see all of these opinions that are like, yeah, fuck this lady. And you're just sort of like, you know what? I do not want to stick my proverbial dick right in this in this hornet's nest. You mm-hmm. know, like I'm just gonna like let this pass and not say anything. Like the Daily Wire, which is a conservative uh news site, news I'm using very loosely, spent tens of thousands of dollars to promote news stories about the Depp Heard trial. Like, mm-hmm. why are they spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on this? Why are they putting up Facebook and Instagram ads about the Depp Heard trial. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, it, it's for clout. They were exploiting the sexism of, like, the audience on Facebook and Instagram for clout. And mm-hmm. that's that's who was, like, help, helping to kind of fluff this story, if you will. Um, Jaleesa, let's, I'm going to let you get the last word in on this topic before we take a quick break. Um, what do you think is to be done As we see stories, like, bad stories go bad viral about women, like, how do we as news consumers be more responsible?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think that is the thing, is that we have to be more responsible, right? Like, we have to take the time to not just retweet something without, like, clicking on it and reading um, and, like, reading what the article actually says. And I think that sometimes, especially when it comes to, like, famous rich people, like, we forget that, like there are actual real people, you know? And like, I think sometimes it's so much easier to be mean or to say something mean about someone who you feel like you're never going to meet. You don't know them. They almost don't feel like real human beings. And so it's easy to kind of um, be desensitized to, to their feelings. But I think The bigger thing is that, you know, all of these stories, whether it's, you know, Meghan Markle and not only the misogyny that she has faced, but the racism that she has faced, whether it's Olivia Wilde um, getting criticized at the same time that like if she was running off with Harry Styles, how come nobody's saying anything about Harry Styles professionalism as an actor? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So like all of these stories, especially the ones that involve both a man and a woman, they're very double-sided, and even if you don't care about the actual people involved, there is a bigger implication for like society at large. You know, because mm-hmm. whether we like it or not, like these people, media, all of these things do influence culture, and and culture influences policy. And so, I think we have to just be really thoughtful about the implications in some of some of these things, and just be really thoughtful about: Do I really want to contribute? to this thing going viral right do I want to retweet mm-hmm. it or or do I have to say something like do I have to send that tweet or is this just something that I can just think and like mm-hmm. move on
1: right that is uh, such good advice for life just in general <laughs> every every single tweet and the answer is only if it's really really funny
0: yeah exactly <laughs> like really or really has animals funny.
1: Yeah, really cute (laughs) animals I can get down with, also. Okay, we have to take a quick break when we come back. Sani Petty. Welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria. Michaela and Julissa are still with me. Alyssa, as always, is with me, and we are about to get to I Feel Petty slash Sanity Corner, a.k.a. Sani Petty. But first, a little bit of housekeeping. Oh, this is really exciting. This is exciting housekeeping. This is like the kind of housekeeping where I'm like throwing away clothes and bringing in my winter clothes, like exciting housekeeping. it's
0: It's a new season.
1: Yes, Crooked is bringing you coverage of the election that you love to hate with Crooked Radio every weekend in October on SiriusXM Progress and on the SiriusXM app. Incredible.
0: It's incredible, and Erin, people can join our lineup of podcast hosts, candidates, experts, and more, including Hysteria, as we break down all the issues that matter this November, dive into the conversation shaping our current political climate, and give you the only 100% correct opinions in politics.
1: Indeed, the only 100% correct opinions. you don't want to miss this, subscribe now and get up to four months free of SiriusXM. See offer details at SiriusXM.com Crooked. Ooh, what else? Oh, this is exciting. Uh, there's a whole new batch of
0: progressive merch that just dropped in the Crooked store with tees, hats, and a bumper sticker that are all about demanding reproductive justice, canceling student debt, and making our democracy work. You can show where you stand even while you sit in traffic.
1: Or if you're like me, you don't want to, you know, put a thing on your car and have people get mad at you, put it on your computer. That's what I do. Show everyone at the coffee shop. You could put it on your notebooks. Show everyone in class. So many uses for a bumper sticker. I love a bumper sticker. And you know what? Bumper is probably the last place I would put it, but I still (laughs) love it. Give me all the stickers. Head to the Crooked store and pick out something to wear to the voting booth or just on your morning coffee run. You guys know how t-shirts work. Check it out at crooked.com slash store. Okay. House has been kept. Michaela, are you feeling petty or are you going to give us a sanity corner this week? I, I know I sounded a little turned up on this uh,
4: this podcast today and a little angry and aroused. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna really surprise you and do Sanity Corner. Um, so <laughs> my my latest discovery, and I don't know if other cities have this, um, but I found this place in LA. And if other cities don't have this, this needs to happen. It's a place in in Frogtown, Los Angeles, which is like a little enclave near the river on the east side of LA and there's a place called Sway. Do you guys know this place? Yeah. S U A Y. Uh-huh. Oh my god, it's like the it's it's the perfect example of how of how people are going to change the way we do business and um, how we get and use renewables and how we save the planet while like running a business. So what Sway does is they accept all textile donations, all your old clothes, all your towels, all your sheets, all your crap, things you don't want anymore that you were just going to either dump or take to Goodwill. Um, dump if they were shitty, take to Goodwill if they could be possibly reused again. Although who wants to buy sheets at Goodwill? Okay, I know some people do, but not really. Like it's not your first choice, right? (laughs) Right, right, right. What they do at Sway is they have all these sewers there and they have dyes. So every week they choose a different palette of dyes that they do. And they take all your donations and they refurbish them into these Patchwork quilts, patchwork clothing, patchwork everything. They have you can take your old towels and rather than buy new towels and like give that money to bed bath and beyond, you can take all your old towels that you're like they have mascara stains and everything like that. I don't want to deal with that. Um or I cleaned up that weird chemical spill with them. You take <laughs> them, you take them to sway and you dye them a whole new color. You could take an old couch, take off all the couch cushion covers and get them all dyed to like a new color. And then you have a brand new couch. It's so, it's the best way to like move through the world, I think. It's just like you take old stuff, make it new stuff. Nobody has to buy, nobody has to produce anything new. It's just a reimagining and envisioning of of all your old crap in a new way. And I think that's how we're going to survive this whole thing.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah, that's great. And I, if, you know, listeners, if you have something similar in your city, uh,
0: let us know. And if yeah. you don't, start one. This is start your sign. This is start cool. One. I'm on the website right now. Sway So Shop, SwayLA.com. This is incredible. You can take all your old band T shirts and T shirts from
4: things that were really important to you, but they're extra small and you can't get them on your body anymore. Make a quilt. Oh Make shit! A quilt.
0: Oh yes.
4: my gosh. Oh,
0: I have a whole closet of T shirts that I am sentimentally attached to. That I sentimentally should attached be to. a quilt. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah don't they <laughs> They can maybe go oh, that's over one amazing. boob and that's
4: it. Yeah. And, like, uh, one arm. <laughs> yeah. And, and now I can make a whole quilt or a tapestry or something like that and, you know, just call it a day.
1: That's awesome. Um, this is amazing. Okay. Alyssa, are you yeah. feeling petty or do you get a sanity question? I'm this petty. Week? I'm petty.
0: And it's okay. an easy one. Because it's fall, you guys. Fall is my favorite time of year. I'm ready for hot girl fall. Except I'm hot, you guys. I'm having hot flashes and I can't put my my fleeces on. And all I want to do is put my fleece on. And I'm just schmitzing at all times. And I had to pull out the personal fan and it's like... I was in a store and I pulled the fan out and the woman behind the counter is like, why don't you just take the fleece off? And I was like, because I got nothing on underneath. I thought I'd be OK. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have to tell Stacey London to in- invent a
1: menopausal Believe fleece. Believe me, line. the
0: cool spray. She has a cool spray and I'm out of it. And so I'm going to restock to state of menopause because... I was like, oh my God, it's gonna be like sixty today. And I put the fleece on and I was like, oh wait, but the back of my hair's oh. curling. You know when that happens, yeah. when you start yeah. to schwitz. So anyway, uh I'm I'm my hot girl fall is different than I thought it was gonna be. Mm.
1: Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh well I hope it gets
0: much colder there. You'll know if you see me in fleeces on Instagram.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Julissa, are you feeling petty or do you have a sanity corner this week? I think
5: I'm going to go petty. And this is really going to be a real petty, not like my very serious petties of the past. (laughs) 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 Actual real pettiness. Um, Okay. So you know when you're like on a plane, right? And you're like sitting in your little aisle seat and all of a sudden this like grown-ass adult couple comes and asks you if you can switch seats so that they can sit next to each other. And what they're offering you is a middle seat. Fuck, that should be
0: illegal. They're not asking
5: you to just move, you know, to a different like row still in an aisle seat or if you were in a window, you know, still in a window seat. They're literally asking you to give up your aisle seat that you probably paid extra for because airlines now charge you extra for everything, including an aisle seat. And they're asking you to give that up so that they can sit next to their Mm grown-ass adult partner. Like, I'm sorry. You cannot ask me that. And I will not feel bad about telling you no because no. Like, maybe if it was your child and then that child would have to be like a little child, not even Mm -hmm. like a teenager child, but especially... No, you don't need to sit next to your, you know, man. Adult. Like,
4: yeah.
5: it's okay. <laughs> this is a two-hour flight. You will be okay.
0: I'm not it sitting is, unless, next to
5: this person Chalice,
0: unless they are offering you a seat that is better. Better. Right. That is one thing. Yeah. Better. I might yeah, consider it. exactly like I say the same or better, well, the same, the or same, better. You know, the same, and
5: also it cannot be like an aisle seat, ten rows back. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going ten no. rows, back, you know. But if I'm like mm-hmm. sitting in the middle and you're, t- you know, you're like, oh, like, do you want to sit in the aisle or the window so we can sit together? Like, I'll, con- you know, yes, but don't ask me to give up my
0: better seat for you. I don't know you. Also, mm-hmm. they almost always target women traveling alone. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Don't no. think my oh, husband gets shit. asked a lot to switch seats. Okay. Right. But I get asked all the time. Yes. I will say
1: no yeah. and
5: I will give you a look and I will not feel bad about it.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, I don't think you should feel bad about it. You, those people have earned your ire. They've earned it. I don't even, you know, the those saying it doesn't hurt to ask. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you it should ask. Yeah. It does hurt to ask. You shouldn't have asked that question. Yeah. It's got, okay. it's got to be the same or better. And that's all. Exactly. There is to mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so I have got, real quick, um, I've got a petty, and I think I'm going to start some fights here. But um, here's what I'm feeling petty about this week. Michael's? Michael's, the store? Michael's should be ashamed of itself. Um, I went into a Joanne Fabrics yesterday for the first time in years and years and years. And Joanne Fabrics is the vastly superior craft supply store michael's is a store for people who are trying to like who who don't know how to work a glue gun joanne is for people who are making like the real ones shop at joanne um and i gotta say i'm not like the most crafty person ever my mom is very crafty i am not but when i went into joanne it made me feel like i aspired to be more You know, I wasn't (laughs) like, I'm going to scale down my, when I go to Michael's, I'm like, okay, well, they don't have this. They don't have this. They don't have this. So I guess I'm just going to change the scope of the project to fit what Michael's has in stock. No, at Joanne, I am like, I want to learn how to quilt things. Like I want to learn how to be better. Um, it's just the vastly superior crafting store. And, um, if I were Michaels, I would be <laughs> embarrassed to coexist in a world with Joanne Fabrics. Joanne, Joanne,
0: community—it's a—it's a way of life. Joanne Fabrics is ten out of ten better than Michaels. Yeah, I agree. It's so great. Anyway, okay,
1: so that is all the time we have all the time we have for this week. Um, Julissa and Michaela, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to Alyssa for being my ride or die. Thank you to Chloe Maxman for joining us for the interview. And thanks to all of you, the listeners. There will be more hysteria for you next week. And also, I got to say, stay tuned for a bomb ass October from hysteria. We've got some really, really cool shit coming down the pike. And uh, you're definitely not going to want to skip the next few weeks. I am from another
3: planet this nation's
1: Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonico is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt Degroot.